at the Carson City Saloon. You found the Crowley Show. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Bud Light Happy Hour coming to you tonight from 6 o'clock until 7 right here from the Carson City Saloon. Randy Slack skipping out on me, though. For the second week in a row, it was supposed to be a Slack thing every single Friday from 6 till 7, slacking off, and that some bitch is out of town. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like being blown off. It's not a nice thing. kind of sucks. I gotta do more work on a Friday. Usually, we like Slack to be here so that I can just bounce things off of him. And then if he's not around, we get Brian LaMartina around. But something came up, and now he's not here. So I have to do a full show, and I don't like that. I don't like having to work hard on a Friday, especially not the first Friday before the new year. You don't like that. But I'll battle through. I'm a tough guy, okay? I'm pretty, I'm pretty tough, as we talked about yesterday. Certainly more mentally tough than James Harrison. Here's what James Harrison had to say, a full statement on his Instagram account where he tried to make himself the victim, I feel like. Or at least he tried to tell his side of the story, and we'll see how you feel about it. I certainly know how I feel about it. Here it is, quote, If anybody thought I signed a two-year deal with the team in the NFL at age 39 to sit on the bench and collect a check and a participation trophy, they're mistaken. I didn't sign up to sit on the bench and be a cheerleader. I was clear about that when I signed. And I was told I would be on the field when I signed. When I was asking for reps in camp, I got none. I got lip service, though. We know what you can do. You don't need the reps. But I know what my body needs in order to be in shape to compete. And I said so, but still zero reps. At the beginning of the season, when it was clear I didn't have a role anymore, I asked to be released. Throughout the season, I was told week in and week out that I'd be used. I wasn't. I started getting frustrated about the whole thing. I asked to not be dressed or take unnecessary practice reps if I wasn't going to play. That's what happened for a couple weeks. Then we had a game week, and I got solid reps in practice, and everyone assumed I would play. I got to the stadium four hours early as usual. My locker was empty. Nobody said anything to me about being inactive, just an empty locker. I asked to be released again. I was told no. A couple of weeks later, they dressed me for the game, so I assume I'm going to play, and I get zero reps. Stood on the sideline the whole game. I asked to be released again. I was told no. Then a few days later, they released me. I was never told I would be brought back. It was, if I bring you back, be in shape. I cleared waivers. They didn't call. New England called. Also, to be clear, ask Ryan Shazier if I came to see him in the hospital. I didn't help Bud or TJ. Ask TJ if I helped him. Maybe I didn't handle my frustration the best I could have. If you haven't learned anything about me over the last 16 years, I'm a competitor to my core. I live and breathe competition. I do what it takes to keep my body and mind ready to be on that field. I do it for me. I do it for my family. I do it for my team. I do it for the fans. Nothing else to it. At the end of the day, they made a business decision, and so did I. I'm not a big believer in reading long-form paragraphs on my radio show. It's not what we do, but I felt like giving James Harrison proper context there. I feel like you need to know exactly what he said to have the proper reaction. And here's all I got to say to James. Bro, you're 39. 39! If you thought you were going to play over a first-round pick and another first-round pick who were playing well, you got another thing coming. That's not the way that this works. I heard on my way in 
Two other stations having the conversation about whether the Steelers did the right thing bringing James Harrison in at all, and they said, well, look, uh, you bring him in. If you don't play him, even though you tell him you're going to play him, then the reaction isn't his fault. It's your fault. No, 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 no. The Steelers signed James Harrison two years ago. Bud Dupree was going through injuries. Uh, Bud Dupree was banged up. They needed a guy. So they brought back the only guy they knew that they could call who would say yes and also be somewhat productive. That guy was James Harrison. It was necessity for the Steelers. And it worked last year. This year, James Harrison comes back because he signed a two-year deal. And James Harrison didn't play. Why? Because T.J. Watt came in and was outstanding. Bud Dupree has come in and played well. The Steelers didn't cut bait with James Harrison early in the season because they didn't know how T.J. was going to handle the full grind of an NFL season. They didn't know how Bud Dupree, frankly, was going to handle the full grind of an NFL season. That's the reality. The Steelers had James Harrison as insurance, and maybe they didn't make that clear to him, but shouldn't common sense be factored in? Shouldn't James Harrison realize that a 39-year-old ain't going to play over the two first-round picks who are the future at the position? Did it never dawn on him that he might not be the guy anymore? Apparently not. Or apparently it didn't happen until far too late. Man, James was always the tough one, right? He's the guy who pushes the 1,400-pound sled. He's the guy who throws the medicine ball over uh, the volleyball net. He's the guy who squats. He's the guy who wears the sweatsuit. He's the guy who wears the weighted vest. He's supposed to be a tough guy, and he's supposed to be a leader. And you know what? He was neither of those things in this situation. James Harrison wasn't. A tough guy because James Harrison pouted and moped, skipped meetings, and left games early. He wasn't the leader because T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree have made it clear that mm, he wasn't exactly mentoring him. So James Harrison either isn't what he used to be or he's always been a fraud. Either way, come on, man. You can tell your side of the story, but your side of the story don't make me feel any better about you. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Live at the Carson City Saloon. The Penguins had been reportedly shopping Chris Letang. Uh, apparently that is not the case any longer. We're going to hear from Matt Williamson coming up at 420 to talk all things NFL and about the James Harrison situation. But we got Jason Mackey at 540 who tweeted out today that despite prior claims, Chris Letang is in fact not on the trade block. Whether that means they're fielding calls for him I do not know it could very well mean hey we're not calling people but they're calling us and we're listening so we'll find out from Mackey at 540 I would not trade Chris Letang the Penguins defense is as big of an issue as the Penguins depth at the forward position if you trade Chris Letang to bolster the forward depth then you really hurt what you've got on the back end They've got a bunch of injuries there right now, but you got Justin Schultz, you've got Ole Mata, and you got Brian Dumoulin. All three have played well this year. All three are legitimate defensemen in this league. You look at everyone else on that defense score, and I think the word is blah or meh. You get rid of Chris Letang, yeah, you bolster the forward depth, but your defense core is, for lack of a better phrase or term, a disaster. I wouldn't do it. 
I would not blow up this core. And I realize they did not need Chris Letang to win the championship last year, but this year appears to be different. And if freshness is the big concern, as a lot of people across town have said, the Penguins are tired. They don't have their legs. Well, that's not an issue with Chris Letang. Uh, you're not moving Chris Letang because Chris Letang's tired. No, 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 no. Chris Letang was out last year for an extended period of time. He played half the season. Chris Letang's not tired. I don't know if Chris Letang gets tired anyhow, but he certainly is not now because he hasn't played the volume of games. So I wouldn't move him. Uh, I think to move him, you're trying to get a big return, but you're also not exactly trading from a point of strength, and you're not selling high. You're selling low because Chris Letang hasn't been great, and if you're an opposing team, you could easily say, look, we don't know what this guy's got left in the tank. I don't know if Chris Letang is the Chris Letang of old. I don't know if he can ever be the Chris Letang of old. I believe he can be. I believe you hold out hope that he can fix the defense core all by himself. If Chris Letang becomes the Chris Letang of old, you do fix the defense core because he's going to be playing 30 minutes a night. So I'm not moving him for all those reasons and a few more. Again, we'll address those with Jason Mackey coming up at 540. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Apparently, as we discussed somewhat yesterday, the Steelers are considering, if they've already not determined, not to play some of their big guns in this final game against Cleveland. I want to know what you think about that. Do you think that the Steelers should go into this game gunning solely for home field advantage, do everything you can to beat the Cleveland Browns, or do you think that the Steelers should do what I think they should do, which is maybe a quarter or so for Ben, see what happens, get the lead early on Cleveland, and then sit their behinds so they don't get banged up. That's what I would do. I don't want to see Ben Roethlisberger get hurt. I don't want to see Le'Veon Bell get hurt. I don't want to see Marquise Pouncey or Cameron Hayward get injured. Because if you don't have those guys, you don't have a chance to beat New England. If you've got all those guys, you've at least got a shot. Whether the game's in Foxborough or Pittsburgh, I think the Steelers prove that they can hang with the Patriots. You know how they can't hang with the Patriots? If they don't have Roethlisberger, if they don't have Le'Veon Bell, if they don't have Marquise Pouncey or Cam Hayward, if any of those guys goes down, that incredibly decreases their chances of victory. So the question becomes, do you think home field advantage is the be-all, end-all, or is being healthy the be-all, end-all? As I said yesterday, the Steelers' failures in the playoffs over the last couple of years really hasn't been all that hard to figure out. The Steelers have had their issues because of injury. They lost to Denver because Ben had half a shoulder and because they didn't have D'Angelo Williams, Le'Veon Bell, or Antonio Brown. The year prior to that, Ben Tate was the starting running back for the Steelers in the playoff game. Ben freaking Tate, not going to win that game. Uh, and then last year, Le'Veon Bell goes out in the early going against the New England Patriots. Not that that would have made that much of a difference, but at least would have had New England have to stick to their game plan and perhaps things open up for other players if Le'Veon Bell is on the field. So for me, I want to see the team healthy. For me, that's more important than home field advantage. For me, you got a shot to beat New England wherever you play them as long as you do have those guys. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. 
Back to Harrison for a minute. He is already a Bill Belichick disciple. He released that Instagram statement that I read for 15 minutes, it felt like, at the beginning of the show. And then he said, that's the only thing I'm going to say about it. And today, after, before, whenever the availability is for the Patriots, he did speak to the media and he said, I'll only answer questions about the New York Jets. Uh, so he didn't say anything about Pittsburgh. James gets it. James understands. James not going to make a stink there. But he did make a stink here. And anybody who wants to look at him as a sympathetic figure, I don't get it. I don't. I'm not mad because he went to New England. And you probably shouldn't be either. He made a business decision there. But what he did prior to that, to me, was abhorrent. And obviously it was a big deal. Because Martavis Bryant bitched and moaned. He did so publicly. He had his girlfriend do so publicly. And the Steelers didn't release him. So you know James Harrison was polluting the waters. You know James Harrison was pissing people off. You know James Harrison was rubbing people the wrong way. Your thoughts, 412-922-2874. We'll get Matt Williamson's thoughts coming up next. We're live at the Carson City Saloon. It's the Crowley Show. I'm not understanding here how anybody can be on the Harrison camp in all of this. Oh, unless, of course, you're a Patriots fan, then you've got an entire warped view of reality anyhow. But here's what's going on with Bob Pompiani and Andrew Filipponi. They're going back and forth right now, and they're talking about whether or not Harrison was lied to in this process. And as I listened to that station across the street as I drove in, they were having that conversation too. And what the Steelers said to James Harrison was this. Prior to him being signed, you'll be on the field, you'll play about 25% of the time. After he signed, he became that safety net. Yeah, so things change. That's the reality. That's how things go. It's business. James Harrison needs to be smart enough to realize that if Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt are playing well, then his role on the team is going to change. It's going to be different. It's not going to be what he was promised. That's life in any facet. We bring on now Matt Williamson of the Steelers Radio Network and the Locked On NFL Podcast. Mr. Williamson, how are you today? I am terrific. How are you? I'm good, dude. Did you happen to hear what I just said about Harrison? Uh, I think I caught the end of it. Do you think, think Harrison, right. you think he's got a beef here? Because, I, I mean, I understand that he wants to play. Anybody wants to play. But sometimes circumstances change. And coming into the year, the Steelers didn't know how good T.J. Watt would be. Absolutely. And another facet, just to expand upon what you were saying, T.J. Watt drops into coverage pretty much more than any front-line defensive player in the league. And Harrison doesn't do that well. You know, they're both right outside linebackers. They've been dropping that position a lot. That's the last thing you want Harrison doing. Um, I certainly can't believe that if they watched him every day in practice and thought that he was a still great player, he wouldn't have been active all those weeks. You know, like, they may have had every intention of playing him 25%, or if TJ doesn't work out, you'll be the starter. We don't know. But they watch him every day, and, you know, on last viewing, he looked old and slow to me. Um, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, I can see why he'd be unhappy. 
kind of like how Mark Davis was unhappy earlier in the season. He wanted more targets. He wants to help. He wants to be a, a, a participant. Um, but it's, it's tough, tough nuggies, you know? No kidding, right. I mean, that's just reality, man. Uh, in any walk of life, things change. And he doesn't play special teams. Right, I- exactly. Um, if, if you play special teams, if you can fit in other ways, then you get kept around. But if you can't and you're old and slow and uh, you can make an argument that the four people ahead of him are better than him at this point, then that's it. I mean, can you make that argument that the four people ahead of him are better? I can make the argument that Moats and Chicolo are more valuable on game day than he is. Right. And that's really all that matters. It is. I mean, especially given the loss of Ryan Shazier when you consider that Arthur Motes is a guy who you might slide inside. Again, not ideal, but that's right. the way things have been done here uh, with the injury situation to Ryan Shazier. Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show. When looking at what Harrison could possibly bring to New England, we talked about this on Monday, but for people who didn't hear it on Monday, what do you think he's got left in the tank from a pass rusher standpoint? It's a hard eval because I thought he was very impressive last year, you know, especially age considered. Um, we know that he excels against those taller, skinnier tackles, Eric Fisher, Villanueva. You know, there's a good chance that the Patriots face both those guys in the playoffs, and he uses his leverage very, very well in that way. And even if he is, quote, washed up, if he plays 15 snaps a game, especially against the Steelers, you know he's going to bring a plus effort and be bound, you know bring unbelievable energy and do everything in his power to affect the game. I still think he can secure the edge well in the running game to run at him. I think he offers much less as a pursuit player than he used to, and is a flat out liability in coverage. Belichick's a smart guy though, and their front seven needs all the help they can get. I would think that he will not play Harrison a huge amount of snaps, you know, the rest of the season, including the playoffs, and will do everything in his power to not get him to drop into coverage. But you can also do things formationally if the Steelers were to face him to try to get Bell or a tight end on him, you know, and at least, uh, you know, at least try to make him play coverage. Doesn't mean he will. So, I mean, from a Patriots standpoint, all the espionage and picking his brain aside <laughs> i can see picking him up yeah i can too and and that's something that i've said the the whole time is he couldn't be not valuable at all to the steelers and still be valuable to the patriots if they ask him to do different things gut feeling how much is he going to play? Uh, how much do you think he'll play in this last week i, I suppose they could kind of look at this as a dress rehearsal yeah, right. And he may look terrible, and they may cut him a week from now. You know, like, they're not married forever. <laughs> I mean, if he's not good, they're not going to keep him around just for fun. Um, it's not a super complex defense. A lot of man coverage, a lot of the more execution-based, toughen up in the red zone, as we know. So I think mentally Harrison could probably get it pretty quick. I would think he plays half the snaps, something like that. Wow. Do you think he can handle that workload? I mean, it's a tough ask. I don't know. That's a good, yeah. that's a good, that's a good question because even Dale said, um, you know, he interviewed Harrison after that, what, the Ravens game, or the last time he played, and, he, and Harrison basically said, man, I haven't played in a month and a half. I, 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 it took me a while to get into it. You know, so it does, there's a difference between being a great workout guy who, who he obviously is in football shape. And so maybe from, he doesn't play 50%. 
Well, from what I understand, Matt, is that he hasn't been practicing all that much either. So, uh, from a cardio football standpoint, he Sounds might like not he's be a there. Lot of sleep, though. Yeah, it does. Right, exactly. <laughs> Matt, he he also kind of looks a little chubby. He does in the in the New England uniform. He looks a little chubby. Maybe it's just a different color, but he looks a little chubby. I can't say I know on that one, but I'll buy that. Uh, why not? Hey, look, I'm on the radio. Sure. I can I can recklessly speculate. He looks chubby to me. Um, Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show. Matt, what would you do if you're the Steelers this week? Would you play the starters? Would you not play the starters? Would you play them a little bit? Would you not play them? What, what would you do? I originally thought I want Bell, Ben, everybody of consequence, inactive. And the more I thought about it and we talked through it on the air today, I think I would keep all those guys active, maybe not Bell. I mean, just because he's had such a workload and play them a quarter or a series or two, and then get you know your backups in there for the majority of the game. However, if it's the fourth quarter and the Jets and the Patriots are 21-20, then you at least have the ability to bring your aces out mm-hmm. if you really decide that you have to win this game. Yeah, that's like, tough for me. You know what I mean? Like I don't want the Jets to be winning and Ben sitting there inactive in sweats and – the Steelers are down a field goal, and Landry's trying to score, you know. Take yeah, a oh, boy. I mean, oh, Daddy. The second guessing that would go on in that situation, right. it would. I just want those guys active. It would make me not have to work for the two weeks leading up to the divisional round game. That much I know. So <laughs> maybe. Everybody. Right, exactly. Maybe that's exactly what I should be rooting for, Matt. But I, I'll, I'll disagree with you. I think if Ben and, and Le'Veon aren't going to play, then you should just have them inactive. And then that way there's not that temptation to go to them. And the reason I say that is because, to me, and I've gone back and forth on this, but now I'm back as opposed to forth, if the Steelers play the Patriots, I think they can beat them wherever they play. I'm not going to pick them, but I think they could beat them wherever they play. So I think being healthy is more important than home field advantage. I do too, and I'm not steadfast that I would even start Ben if he was active, but I want to be able to bring him out of the bullpen if the Patriots are in danger of losing. I can see it, and I also can think you're wrong. And I think you're wrong, and I don't want to be your friend anymore. Okay. We weren't friends to begin with. That's fine. You wouldn't You wouldn't say we're friends, Williamson? Yeah, acquaintances. We drove to Indy together, man. We did, and we, we told some good stories. We did. I mean, I could totally out you on all that stuff, right? <laughs> That's nervous laughter is what that is. Matt Williamson joining oh, yeah. me here on the Crowley Show. <laughs> Matt from the Steelers Radio Network, Steelers Nation Radio, and the Locked On NFL Podcast. Matt, when looking at the potential teams that could make the playoffs in the AFC, what gives the AFC the strongest field from the teams that have a legitimate shot to make it? Uh, Chargers and Baltimore. But I think if I'm Jackson, I've been giving this a lot of thought just today, that if I'm Jacksonville, I got the three seed. You don't really want to help the division, you know, divisional team that already beat you once. But I also don't want to play Fournette. And I'm sure some guys like Calais Campbell, Bortles, Ramsey could use a break. And I'm sitting there looking at Tennessee, and if I'm through Jacksonville's eyes, I want to play them more than I want to play San Diego or L.A. So I'm not saying you lose on purpose to the Titans, but... I think you're pretty happy if you get out of there unscathed and get the host 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I, I think that Doug Marone has already said they're kind of going business as usual, though, right? Yeah, but how which do you is play silly. Format? I mean, I mean, he's got a lot of injuries, and like Clay Campbell's an older dude. Right. He did say he's going, you know, business as usual, but maybe only do that for a half or so, and then don't go business as usual. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do uh, at, at the very most. I'd probably err against playing a lot of those guys at all, uh, just knowing what you said. If I'm the Steelers, the team I most want to face in the second round of the playoffs, without question, it's not even close to me, is the Titans. Well, I mean, I guess Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Buffalo, if they got in. But they're, not, they're, they're not going. No. Okay, let's not talk about the Bills. They're not. They should never be a playoff team, and they're not going. <laughs> well, given their history, I would I would doubt seriously that they will be a playoff team. Uh, Matt, who's got a better shot to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC if they were to make it? Atlanta or Seattle? That's really a coin flip to me. Uh, both are flawed teams, but they have a great history. They've been to Super Bowls lately. The quarterbacks can carry them. But the... I think I'm going to go with Atlanta, uh, just because that the lack of running game in Seattle is really, really problematic. Yeah, uh, that's an issue. Uh, I feel like Russell Wilson is just doing it on his own, man. It, it's like me in high school on a Friday night. <laughs> in your room by yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're supposed to add something to that other than the corny joke, but you didn't. What is it with our chemistry joke. on Fridays? I don't know what it. I don't know what it is, man. Wilson for a while. I can talk an hour on Russell Wilson if it floats your boat. Yeah, I really don't want to do that though. So that's that's okay. my bad. In the NFC, the Eagles are the one seed, but you put them at fifth uh, in terms of the likelihood to win a championship. Actually, let me ask it again. Would you put them sixth behind Atlanta? I think I put them sixth, and. Foles played one really good game, and he played one really bad game. I think he's closer to the latter than the former. The rest of the team is solid. And if, I, if the Eagles were playing the Ravens or the Titans or, you know, 5-6 seed in the AFC, I would pick them. But against Atlanta or Seattle, let alone Carolina or New Orleans in the, for their first game or somebody like that, I don't think I'll pick the Eagles to win a game. Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show. Do the Ravens have a chance, a legitimate chance in your opinion, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Because they seem to be a trendy pick amongst people uh, who are in the national media that I've been following recently. And I know Flacco's played better, but, man, they really haven't been beating anybody. They've really feasted on poor competition. And, hey, uh, congrats to them. Good for them. That's what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, I look at them sort of like a paper tiger. Yeah, I'm, I'm more in your corner on this one, too, that, yes, they have a really good defense, but people have been critical of the quarterbacks the Steelers have played. The, the, the Ravens' slate is even worse. I mean, much worse. And, you know, we saw what the Steelers did against them. You mentioned that Tennessee is a team you would love to see come to Heinz Field. My second choice would be the Ravens. And, yeah, they could go to New England and win. They could go to Pittsburgh and win. They're battle-tested. They're a good coach. They're a strong organization. They probably won't beat themselves, unlike you on a Friday night. And yes. But they're just not very talented. Now, that, that was, was a good joke. That uh, was well done, yeah. That was a very good joke, and we are going to give you full Crowley <laughs> Show points for that one. Matt Williamson joining me on the Crowley Show. If it is Kansas City going to New England, obviously the pick is going to be New England. But 
how good of a shot would you give them to go back there and beat them again? I think they'll have a shot. I mean, I'd be more interested to see what they look like after that first week. But they've gotten back the basics a little bit. We know that whole rock, paper, scissors thing in the AFC, that that's not traditionally a very good matchup for them. And one of the reasons is usually they've had Eric Berry, who can at least compete with Gronk. Um, but the defense is better than it was earlier in the season when they were really slumping. I think that they would run on the, the Patriots well. I think Kelsey would cause a lot of problems for them. Um, I mean, I'll pick the Patriots, but I think that could be a close game, and there could be an upset, yes. Last couple of things here from Matt Williamson. Jacksonville, I saw, of course, they're, they're a good running team uh, in terms of total yardage, but they've had some stinkers this year, too, particularly Leonard Fournette. While he's racked up yardage, there have been games where he's averaging under four yards a carry. I believe there are six of them. Are they kind of boom or bust uh, in that running game, Matt? Yeah, and, and I do believe Bortles is playing better. They've developed some weapons. Um, I know he's coming off a bad game, but some of those interceptions weren't all his fault either. Um, the running game the running game isn't great. It's a volume-based running game, but the defense allows them to stick with it week after week after week. And even Fournette, I mean, his game against the Steelers wasn't that impressive. I mean, he, he's a good player, but his blocking's average, and everyone stacks the box against them, and you make them throw. But, boy, their defense is good, though. I mean, that's the thing is, they're going to hit your quarterback. You know, Ramsey can match up with anyone, and maybe he would play man coverage on Gronk if they played, you know, and, and win. You know, they're really active, and the their, their weakness is, yes, their defense is awesome, but kind of like Seattle, they're real, they're real execution-based. They don't throw a lot of coverages mm-hmm. at you. You know what you're going to get. They're really high minds like, like Shanahan in San Francisco or the Rams. A highly schemed offense can do route combinations to beat their coverages. You know, they're based on my guys are better than yours. But that's not easy to pull off. How does Todd Haley compare in that regard? Uh, Middle of the road to above average, I would say. And, you know, he certainly helps that he has really good players, too. And that's not, I mean, that, that sounds more negative than it's meant to be. I mean, I don't think he's in like a Shanahan class or McVeigh or some of these West Coast guys that are turning bad teams into you know stalwarts on offense all over overnight. Um, but boy, I mean, he, my biggest complaint with Haley is sometimes he gets too cute. You know, third and shorts don't have to be things we've never seen before. But I think that's been dying down a little bit. Last thing here for you, Matt, as we kind of go back and forth between this week and the future. Would you pick the Steelers to beat the Browns if Landry Jones and Ridley are the starters this week? Probably not, um, but close. I mean, I think I picked the game like 17-14 Steelers with the assumption that if Ben does play, it won't be by much. Um, there's two ways I think I could, it could go. Is Maybe the Steelers get up 10-0, 14-0 very, very early and the Browns just want to go home and say, it's been a long year, I'm done. Or the Steelers sputter and Ridley has nowhere to go and there's a lot of backups in there and the Browns look at this as their last hope and the game's tight and they just don't want to be embarrassed anymore. And I could see that happening too. I could see the Browns winning this game. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but Duke Johnson's going to eat these linebackers alive. 
Um, you know, Gordon, how much is Hayden going to play? Gordon and Coleman are dangerous. I know Kaiser's kind of the laughing stock, but he's played better this last month or so. The biggest thing that's just crushed the Browns is an unbelievable amount of turnovers. Matt, you are my favorite acquaintance. How's that sound? Yeah, that's good. You're a, a fond acquaintance. Oh, for the love of God. Goodbye, Matt. See ya. Matt Williamson, Steelers Radio Network and the Locked On NFL Podcast. It is official. At 5 o'clock, I will be getting waxed. At 5 o'clock, my friends will be here at the Carson City Saloon, and they will wax my chest. It is a punishment for me finishing last in the Fantasy Football League. It is going to be embarrassing. It is going to hurt, and I am not drunk at all, and I feel like I need to be for that to all go down. Up next, we've got some audio of James Harrison's first quote-unquote interview with the New England Patriots. It's the Crowley Show. Well, all my jackass friends are here for my fantasy football league, and they're waxing me at five, and I'm nervous. I don't know who's doing the waxing. I don't know if it much it matters. I, I don't. I don't know if it's going to be any better or worse, depending on who it is. Because if you do it slow, the waxing's not going to happen. So if you do it fast, it'll happen. It'll hurt like a bitch, but it'll happen. I can say bitch on the radio. In that context, not the context of me explaining it, though. That becomes a problem. So I'm probably getting fined by the FCC. As we speak right now, we haven't really, we haven't Googled anything yet, have we? Like I, I've specifically tried to avoid Googling things because I don't know. I feel like I can lose a nipple. I don't want to lose my nipple. I, I've, I'm very proud of my nipples, although they are hairy, and I, I would like to show them off. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. James Harrison spoke. To the Boston media today, we've got that for you here, and well, it's exactly what you would expect it was. Has it been overwhelming at all trying to catch up and learn the playbook? It seemed like you uh, were spending some time with Derek Rivers yesterday while we were in here. Do you kind of enjoy teaching young guys, uh, you know, even though you haven't known them all that long, I guess? James, uh, I know it's just how nice was it to have that waiting for you with the new team. Another player, another player. And, and was there something that was waiting for you, or did you work out something with the player? Did it mean a lot to you? Good. You know, no Jets questions, huh? Right. See you later. Yeah, typical James Harrison being a douche. Uh, that's the way he was here in Pittsburgh, and... Nobody talked about it because there are a lot of douchebag players in the National Football League. That's just the reality. Now, there are good guys. David Castro, great guy. Stefan Tuitt, tremendous human being. Arthur Motes, and the list does go on and on. My favorite of all time was Marcus Wheaton, but he left and went to Chicago, so he's basically dead to me. There are good players. There are bad players. There are players who talk. There are players who don't. There are players who are good at talking, and there are players who aren't good at talking. James Harrison is good at talking when he does. He just doesn't because he's a D-bag. And he always has been. And I think it's all a persona. I think he's a fake tough guy. Now, I'm not tough at all. I've been in one fight my entire life. I punched a guy in the face, he punched me, and it didn't go well for me. Uh, that's it. That's the only thing that's ever happened to me. I've never even wrestled. Like, as a kid, I didn't have a brother. And if I wrestled my dad, I suppose that's somewhat creepy. So it never really went down that way. I was not a tough guy. I am not a tough guy. But I can tell fake tough. I know who's tough, and I know who's not tough. And if you show 
that you're tough, you're not really tough. You're tough if you allow people to see how you operate. You don't have to tell people you're tough if you're a tough guy. I got this one friend, Fabio, sitting right here. He's wearing an Ohio State shirt. He says he's tough, but I think that means it's because he's not tough. I'm kidding. He was in the military, and I'm sure when I get off the air, he will tell me 15 ways he could kill me. The reality is, if you tell somebody you're something, then you're probably not that. You think Mark Madden's really a super genius? You think he's really got a tested IQ of 166? I know Mark. Smart guy. Nice guy. He doesn't have a tested IQ of 166. That's not true. It's not true. Now, I tell everyone that I'm well endowed. If you tell someone that you're well endowed, if you tell people and spread it and you whisper it and everyone uh, out there says the same thing, it's probably, uh, probably not. Dave. Eh, you're probably not. Eh, probably, uh, probably working with a little squirt gun there. Not to say that I am, but I'm married, so it doesn't so much matter. That's not my problem so much as it's her problem. James Harrison tells you he's tough by pushing a sled. James Harrison tells you he's tough by it being 90 degrees and him wearing a sweatsuit. James Harrison tells you he's tough by wearing a weighted vest at practice. James Harrison tells you he's tough by throwing a damn medicine ball over a volleyball net. Wow. But at the end of the day, James Harrison's just a big wuss who couldn't stand the fact that at his core, he thinks he's better than Bud Dupree. He thinks he's better than T.J. Watt. He wants to play, and when they tell him he can't, he cries and he whines and he begs his way out of town. The other thing about James Harrison, apart from him being a fake tough guy, is that James Harrison was always supposed to be that leader, right? That mythical leader. James Harrison, oh my God, he's Zeus. He's Hercules. Even when he's not playing well, oh, the things he does, the mentor he is. He's such a great guy. False. He is not a great guy. We've already covered that. But beyond that, he wasn't mentoring Bud Dupree. When Bud Dupree was asked about it, he laughed. T.J. Watt has said nothing yet about the subject. James Harrison has admittedly requested a trade three times. James Harrison was leaving meetings, not showing up in meetings, leaving games, not showing up for games. That's not leadership. I totally understand not getting playing time and being pissed about it. All 53 guys on the roster want to play and think that they can win, except for probably Landry Jones. You all think that you're better than the guy that you're sitting behind. That's the reality. I thought I was better than David whenever David did the show. Doesn't mean I think David's a bad guy, but that's what you believe. It's just, if you are competitive, if you think you're good at what you do, you, you believe it. So I don't mind that James wanted out. I don't mind that James thought he was better. What I do mind is the way that he went about everything. And what I do mind is afterwards, he's trying to play the victim. Man, you're no victim, and man, were you dumb and naive. James Harrison said, they told me I was going to play 25% of the snaps. You know when they told you that, jackass? Before they drafted T.J. Watt. You think things might change after a first-round pick comes into the fold? I think so. You think things changed last year after Bud Dupree got healthy? Oh, yeah, they did. Circumstances change all the time in life. You just got to deal with it. And James didn't deal with it well enough. Why? Because he pretends he's tough. But he's not mentally tough the way he portrays himself to be. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We are seven minutes away 
from me getting waxed. The Ordinary Boy tweets, You're worried about saying bitch when last week you said dicks. It's talking about the sporting goods store. Clearly, that's uh, what happened there. Ah, Kelly Clarkson! That's what I'm going to sound like in five minutes. I'm going to be like a less funny Steve Carell. Less funny, less hairy, and less able to use profanity. So, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it all works out. Who's casting the first stone over here? Who's waxing me? Is it Johnston? My buddy Dan. He's attractive. He'll play for camera. We'll have the Facebook Live video coming up. I'll tweet out the link. At underscore Adam Crowley. 412-922-2874. Actually, let's do it this way. Call me. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I need sports takes to give whilst I'm being waxed. Because if I'm just screaming, that doesn't make for great radio. Well, maybe it will for you. Joe, answer the phone. It's the Crowley Show.